As crazy as it might sound, I felt a connection to Rain from the moment she walked into Travis's apartment five years ago as a broken and scared girl who didn't trust anyone. Before I even knew her name, I wanted to protect her, make her feel safe, and teach her how to open up to people again. It took almost a year before I fully understood what was going on in her head. Every night, we would head out to a greasy spoon in Portland on a quest to find the best late-night milkshake around. I wasn't a fan of ice cream, but I am pretty sure she would be perfectly content eating it three times a day. So, to make her feel comfortable, we had ice cream. A lot of ice cream. The night she shared with me how she met Travis, I thought we had turned a corner and she was starting to trust me. Little did I know that I would spend months trying to get anything more out of her. She replaced the bricks in the wall around her heart that had crumbled. Our conversation was limited to her favorite bands, to what music she couldn't stand, and when she had known she wanted to sing for a living. That might be good enough for some people, but it was surface-level details about her life. I knew I wanted something deeper from her. When she did finally tell me about her family, I'm pretty sure it was only because she was under the influence of heavy-duty cough medicine. You know, the kind that needs a label warning you against making any plans for hours after you drink the vile liquid. I pulled her weak body onto my lap as she told me about being the only daughter in a house of boys. From the sounds of it, her mom raised her to be a living, breathing doll whom she played with. She was enrolled in all of the typical girl activities and told to stop being foolish when she wanted to do anything that didn't fit her mother's mold of what a young lady should do. I learned that night that her given name was Madeline, not Rain. There are a lot of people in the industry who use stage names, but I got the feeling this was something more to her. It's as if she cast away everything about her life at home when she left, and she took every step she could to live her adult life as a new person. Unfortunately, her family was less than accepting of her when she went home to visit, which is what drove her into the party scene when she returned to Portland. To hear her describe it, the crowd she started hanging with didn't care what you looked like, where you came from, or anything else as long as you were looking to have some fun. In her naive mind, that was the scene she needed to embed herself in to make it anywhere in the music business. In a twisted way, it worked. It was the copious amounts of cocaine put in front of her, and later the asshole boyfriend who had her running drugs for him, that led her to being sentenced to rehab. Had that not happened, who's to say if we ever would have connected with her? I wish it hadn't been such a rocky path. Being a firm believer that everything in life, good or bad, happens for a reason, there was a fucked up part of me that was grateful for her addiction. By the time she finished telling me every messed up detail of her life from birth to 19, she started to drift off to sleep on my lap. I took her to the bedroom, laid her down, and kissed her forehead before turning to leave. If I had it bad for her before then, I knew I was done for that night. She was burning up with a fever, her face red and puffy from her cold, and she was still the most beautiful woman in the world to me. Two nights later, when I asked to take her to dinner, she shot me down. That is when she told me about her rules, including never dating a bandmate. I tried to make her understand that dating wouldn't lead to the demise of blessed tragedy, but she was one of the most stubborn women I knew. She kept talking about some VH1 special that highlighted bad band romances and said she never wanted to wind up on a show like that.